Welcome back to the program. In honor of the archangels, I'm going to pray the prayer to St. Michael. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of the angels, for these um, pure spirits, these created spirits. Thank you, Lord, for them, and I thank you for the mission and ministry that you have placed in their hands. Lord, I ask that you would give us insight, give us wisdom to draw on the ministry and mission of angels, especially our own guardian angels. May they be for us leaders, providers, and protectors through their intercessory care, their daily accompaniment, and the provision uh, that they give to us. Thank you, God, for our guardian angels. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to the program. It's great to be with you on a wonderful feast day. Uh, I, I love the fact that Today we celebrate the Feast of the uh, Archangels. We're going to celebrate the Feast of the Angels coming up in just a couple of days, October the 2nd. Um, but today it is a, um, a powerful day to reflect on the fact that not only did God create this hierarchy of beings, right? Meaning God is at the top of the chain of being, the uncreated, infinite, perfect spirit uh, who is eternal, all the way down, and next in line in that chain of beings are angels. And so angels are created spirits. There's no material dimension. And then we come down further in the chain of being, and we have this composite of body and soul. Um, so we have the spiritual dimension as well as the invisible spiritual dimension as well as the physical dimension, and that's human beings. And then you go down below that and you have animals and then plants and then inanimate matter, right? So you have this chain of beings. And even among the angels, there are these different choirs of angels. So archangels are one of the choirs of angels. And scriptures identify three such archangels. And so Raphael is in the book of Tobit. That's where Raphael makes his um, uh, his appearance. Um, in the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, you have Saint Michael identified as the chief of the uh, the chief among the angels, and um, and then Gabriel, of course, in the Gospel of Luke, have him mentioned as the one who um, approached the Blessed Mother, and um, with the with the invitation to become the mother of God, with presenting her with her vocation, she who is full of grace, and so. Uh, one of the things that really uh, one of the one of the things that jumps out when you focus on the the, the reality of um, the angels and archangels is this concept of identity and purpose or uh, vision and mission, who I am and what I am to be about. And for angels, there's something very distinct there that who they are, their identity, is what makes them distinct as angels, is in fact their mission. 
So their identity is, is encapsulated in their mission. So Michael, who is like God, right? That's the name Michael. That's what it means. Uh, his mission is to be chief among the angels and to be the enemy of Satan, to cast Satan down um, from heaven as a result of his, uh, his sin, his fall. And so um, when we stop and ponder that, each of us, uh, we can stop and say, okay, God, in my life, what, what have you given me to be understood as my own sense of mission and my identity? And that goes as deep as my name. And so, Lord, who am I in your sight, and what am I to be about? What is my mission? This theme is perennial for me on Sound Insight. I talk about it in different facets all the time um, because it gets down to the foundations of what it means to be a follower of Christ, a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus. It's where the rubber meets the road, folks, is in the day-to-day. So today I'm going to focus on the aspect of mission. And I'm going to focus on an aspect of mission that impacts many of those of you who are listening. And that's the mission of being a mother or a father. The mission of being a parent. And so uh, it's interesting, Carrie has been reflecting with me a bit this year in particular. Her theme is healing. And so she's opened herself um, in her own spiritual life to the Lord to say, Lord, how, how do I need to be healed to become more fully the woman of God, ooh, the wife and the mother that you intend me to be? And it's been really fascinating because she's brought me some of the like the fruits of her reflections on things like, what does it mean that the two become one? And what does that mean for my own sense, my, I, carry, but me, I can make it my own as well. What does it mean? What does it mean that Carrie and I, in the vocation of holy matrimony, the two are called to, to be one, that somehow I'm only going to understand the depths of what it means for me to be Tom, that's my name, my I, who is Tom, when I'm in a loving union with Carrie, that it's in our husband-wife lovingly living our married vocation that somehow who I am as Tom will become manifest. But one of the things that is the fruit of the union of love when God blesses that in married life is children. And so that then unfolds this mystery of the mission that I have as a husband and as a father, and for Carrie as a wife and a mother. And so I begin to think about what are some of the, in this messy world, right? It's it, the, the reality of being a Husband and a father is messy. The, the reality of being a wife and a mother, it's messy. It's not perfect. And yet, we're never called to surrender our ideals, but we are called to live mercifully in the light of the ideal with that which is real. And then to ponder and say, Lord, how am I supposed to go from where we're at to more closely transfigured and transformed and, and united to you? In our lives. So I thought, you know, it might be valuable, might be interesting to share with you um, some of the key principles, some of the key uh, insights that we've drawn from our own married life, Carrie and me, in, um, in being parents. And it's funny because I'm, I'm recording this on Wednesday. And Wednesday, September the 28th, I know this, you're listening on Thursday, 
um, is the birthday of our oldest daughter. So today our oldest daughter turns 23. And so we have a 23-year-old going all the way down to a 10-year-old. Yes, we were blessed with nine kids in 13 years. And um, it's, uh, it, that, that, that's a lot. <laughs> and I am telling you that the, it's very interesting how God would have us have our kids be born and in these years because, um, you know, when our oldest turned eight, something significant happened. The, the world of iPhones, smartphones came into existence. And so from, uh, for the last 15 years, uh, we have raised kids in a world that has been increasingly dominated by digital realities, the digital world, social media platforms, and their variety of forms, right? The things that we talk about all the time, but you could lump into that things like video games and, and not just that, but smart TVs that now give you uh, so much access to what? All of the streaming video, movies, shows, uh, and other just just darkness, right? That All the pornography and other darkness that's out there that um, that we, all of a sudden, parents, if you were a parent in the last 15 years, um, and you have kids that are in their tween years, so beginning around, um, let's say, nine years old, um, to beyond, you're going to bump up against these platforms growing and growing. And it's fascinating. That's when God would have Carrie and me be parents is... Literally, our daughter turned, you know, our daughter was eight when these, when this world started to grow and accelerate. And it's, it's still, right, it's still exploding. It's not like it's slowed down at all. And so parenting has taken on that much greater of a sense of urgency. I mean, it's always been fundamentally important, right? It's just foundational to helping uh, a child grow and flourish into a young godly man or woman you know, parenting plays, it's really an irreplaceable role. Um, and some have to have others step in to play that role, which is true. But we parents have been given um, a serious, there, there's a weightiness to the mission that is ours. So um, I, I just was having some of these conversations recently, and I thought, you know, let me talk about this on the program. I want to kind of put this out there because it's a... Um, it's, it's quite a thing. Okay, so let me just start. Let me start. So as parents, we're called to be leaders of our kids. And so we're called to lead and provide and protect. Lead and provide and protect. I always talk about that. And if I had more time, I would trace that back to priest, prophet, and king. And so we're baptized. Uh, and in baptism, we are sharing in Christ's anointing as priest, prophet, and king. As priest, through our intercession, through the go-between, the mediator role, we provide good things for our kids and our family, right? Not just material, but spiritual, right? There's a whole relational, all kinds of, the whole di all the dimensions of goods we are to provide for our kids. Um, that provision is a priestly call. And then we are called to lead our kids. And that, that leadership is a governing role that's a kingly role, offering kingly service to the Lord, uh, to, to our kids, um, after the manner of Christ, who 
was the great servant leader who washed the feet and died as a means of leading um, his apostles uh, to be his followers and, and to take up the role of, of continuing to bring the ministry of Christ on earth. And so, um, and then there's the uh, prophetic role, right? To the priest, prophet, and king. So not only are we to, to lead and not only are we to provide, but we're also to protect. And the prophet is the one who speaks the truth that most needs to be heard. The prophet speaks the truth that most needs to be heard. And so that's part of our call as well as parents is to speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth. And so I want you to hold on to that as, as parents, your call is to lead and provide and protect, lead and provide and protect your kids in the midst of a strange and getting stranger world in a world that is becoming increasingly um, difficult. So hold on to that, to those principles, right? A principle is what? It's that which stirs us or moves us into action. And so why would I take action as a parent? Well, I'll take action because I'm called to lead. I'm called to go out front and to show the way, to be an example, to model the way, etc. I'm called to provide. I'm called to be with and to encourage. I'm called to, to cheerlead on. And, and I'm called to be the prophet, to, to provide that protection. I've got your back, right? I'll talk more about that. Um, yeah, in fact, well, why don't I just talk about it now? So when I think about leading and providing and protecting your kids— there's a way in which you're called to love them well. And sometimes you'll love them well by acting out of that leadership role. Sometimes you'll love them well by acting out of that priestly role. Sometimes you'll love them well by acting out of that prophetic uh, uh, role. Now, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that when, uh, when you're a parent, um, sometimes you're called to go before them. And when you go before them, you show them the way, you set the bar, you raise the standard, and you expect them to conform to the way in which they should walk. That's part of the call you have as a leader, is to be willing to confront them when they're, when they're falling short, when they're settling for less, when there's a gap that exists between how they're living and how they ought to live. And so that's an important part of, of being a parent, is being willing to exercise that kind of authority to go out in front of them and say, this is the way that you're going to walk. This is what you are called to do. And that leadership role is one that, that, that going before, going in front, upholding, that's a loving thing to do. This is not sufficient. What you're doing isn't acceptable. We need to go deeper, right? But that's not the only way that we're called to lead. We're also called to provide and protect. We're not only called to go before, but to do more. What is that? I'll tell you in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. 
Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So I'm talking about parenting today, and I'm laying out some principles. Uh, it's I'm recording this on my oldest daughter's birthday. Um, today's the, the feast of the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, whose identity is found in their mission. And so I'm, I'm talking about mission today. I'm talking about fulfilling your God-given purpose as a wife and mother, as a husband and father, and how do we do that? And so I'm just starting with one of the foundational concepts is what is your mission as a, as a wife and mother, as a husband and father? It's to lead and provide and protect priest, prophet, and king, and, uh, or priest, king, and prophet, if you want to line up the three. And all of these ways of relating to our kids are loving. They can be loving, and the proper way to love at times must involve the willingness to uphold a standard and ask them to conform that this is what is accepted and acceptable, and it's not acceptable to not do that. Now, let's, let's talk about some examples of, of what that would look like. Actually, let me go through all three, and then I'll give you some examples of what it looks like in practice. So not only are you called upon, and if you think about someone walking on a path, right? You're walking on a path. Um, when you're leading them, you go ahead, and so you're ahead of them on the path, and you're saying, come, follow me. Come this way. This is the way you must go. So that, that's an appropriate way to parent, is part of your cause to go before them and say, here's the path that you're going to walk in. Yeah, you'll have family prayer. You're going to go to Mass. Um, that kind of language is not acceptable. You don't get to watch those kind of movies this is uh, this is not what how we're going to treat each other, right? A hundred things where you're setting the standard, you're setting the bar. Then there are other ways where you are called upon to be with them. So now when you think about, again, walking on the path, there are times when the best way to love them is to say, I'm with you. I am with you. I'm not ahead of you, but I'm I'm actually alongside you. And I call that encouragement. So the first is accountability. When you're in front of them, you're holding them accountable to that ideal, to that standard that they have to um, live in accord with. The second is to say, you know what? Now I'm going to be with you. You're not alone. Um, I've got you. I'm here with you. And I'm going to acknowledge that you're, you're making progress. Look how far you've come. You're doing a great job. Let me encourage you. Let me put some courage into you by being with you right here and say, doing a lot of good. Let's let's keep going. Come on now. I'm going to affirm you. I'm going to celebrate the progress you've made. Look how far you've come. That's very important. And so what is that all about? Well, that might mean, okay, if it's time to do homework, you might say, okay, sit at the table. You don't leave until you get your homework done. That's accountability. Encouragement says, you know what? Let me sit down next to you. Let me do the home. Let me help you with the homework. You're not by yourself. I've got, I'm with you. And so I'm going to, I'm going to help you be successful in getting done what needs to be done. And so that there are a hundred ways in a hundred times when you're called upon not to let your kid just flail around and end up being unsuccessful, but you're called to be with them and lovingly say, let's figure this out together. Come on, we got this. And then the third way is you're behind them. Okay. So now they're in front of you and literally you've got their back. You've got them covered. You're providing them with a sense of protection. And again, that protection isn't just physical. It's also spiritual. And that's an amazing thing that you can provide spiritual cover for your kids through your holiness. Yes, that's right. 
insights that come from the scriptures and our tradition is that the sins of the fathers visit upon the son uh, and the holiness that yields blessings of the parents also fall through the generations, right? And it's like the blessings go for twice as long or for several times as long as the, as the, um, as the, the sins, the negative impacts of the sins or the curses. Um, and so you have insights as well from, uh, from those who are involved in the ministry of exorcism that when you have um, a father dealing with particular sins, then it's as if the cover of protection is removed over the kids and they become more vulnerable to certain kinds of temptations. And so it's amazing to think about that, that, um, I mean, parents, did you hear this? If you're willing to fast and pray, if you're willing to make acts of self-denial and self-sacrifice, it's not just going to make you grow in holiness, but it's going to provide a level of spiritual protection. It's going to provide a level of spiritual covering over your loved ones, over your kids. Wow. My goodness. Um, it's definitely the case that you, you see that the good deeds of someone can lead to spiritual benefit for others. They, they talk about the spiritual treasury uh, of the church kept in heaven, um, which is this storehouse of blessings, this treasure of blessings that are associated with the uh, holy lives of those who are living the faith. And that uh, the holy lives of, uh, the holy life lived by someone um, redounds, I like that word, it, it extends itself to be a blessing and a benefit to everyone else in the body of Christ. I need your holiness. I need you to battle against sin, to say no to that temptation. I need you to be willing to deny yourself because somehow in the mystery of God's plan in the body of Christ, your holy actions, your yes to the Lord, your no to sin, your overcoming an evil, your battling for good has an impact on me that's positive. Okay, now let's bring it in even more closely. You have St. Thomas Aquinas bringing out the fact that, yes, indeed, we have, um, we have um, a great, uh, we have this beautiful way that, the way that God has planned things, that we are called upon to do good to all, but especially to those who are part of the household of God. So the scripture says, but Aquinas brings it even closer and says, to those in, uh, those in whom God, with whom God has placed you in relationship, meaning, well, your family, right? Your, your family members. That God intends the goods that will come from your life to flow over to those who are around you. And, and honestly, I mean, we see that in the, in the way that the world works, right? How many of you have come into wealth not because you did anything other than be born into a family that had worked hard or had come into a degree of financial wealth themselves. And it's like, you did nothing but be born into it. Conversely, you might be been born into a situation where there has been great financial challenges or economic, um, a lack of economic opportunity or a lack of economic prosperity and no fault of yours. You're in a fundamentally different situation as it concerns the material good things of this world. And you, you can see that, right? So you, you see how, 
the decisions of parents impact their kids in very visible, obvious ways, why don't we ponder that more and think about that when it comes to spiritual things? I think if we did, guess what? We'd live holier lives. We, we just would. I don't think we'd just settle for easy lives if we really had that insight. It was vibrant and vitally alive in us that, um, that, we, um, that the way we live our lives impacts our kids. So, um, so lead and provide and protect. I go before you, I am with you, and I've got your back. I'm going to hold you accountable as a leader in front of you. Hopefully, the way that I live my life will model that for you and you'll feel a sense of accountability. Uh, and I'm going to challenge you when you're falling short. I'm also going to be with you. I'm going to celebrate and encourage you as you make your progress. And also, I've got your back. I've got you protected. I'm going to speak the truth that you need to hear to keep you on the path. Um, but I got you covered. You know, you're, you're not alone. And so I, the classic example I like to use because I think it's so simple to understand, and then from there you can take it further, is what's the right way to love your kid when it comes to your kid doing their after-dinner chore of doing the dishes, right? What's the proper way of loving them? Is it to say to them, hey, do your chore. Everyone has a part to play in this home. That's your job for this month. That's the chore that's yours. Go to it. No, no, no. You don't get to go out. You don't get to watch TV. You don't get to do anything. You don't get to have your dessert until you do the dishes. Do that first. And that's the loving thing to do, right? Um, because when we do that, we make the kids realize that they've got to be responsible. Uh, they have to be willing to do their share. Um, all the good character building things that's there, they've got to learn to do what's hard and not just easy. All the above, right? Is that the loving thing to do? Or is it to say, you know what? I realize that my kid is tired, has a lot of homework. Um, maybe he's had a hard day. And um, it just really doesn't like doing the dishes. Just really, really has a hard time with that chore. Maybe the loving thing to do is to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do them with you. Come on, let's do these together. Come on, let's have fun. Let's, let's make this something that's enjoyable. Let's talk about the day. I'll tell you a story about when I was younger. Or let's just get through this. Let's do it together. Come on. And I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm with you. And so is the loving thing to do to be encouraging and celebrating and say, I am with you. Or is the loving thing to say, all right, I'm looking at that kid. Not only do they have a hard day, they didn't do well on their test. They got into a fright with their friend. They're really down. They're just having a hard time. And all of a sudden, their friend has come over. And you know what the loving thing to do is to say, you know what? Hey, I got you. I'll do this for you. It's your job, but I'm going to do it. Don't worry about it. I got, I got you covered. Go. Just You get a night off on me. I'll do what you were supposed to do. And... And I go to, I'm going into a lot of those details to say principles have to be applied, right? The principle of in parenting my child, I'm called to lead, provide, and protect. I'm called to lovingly hold them accountable, encourage them, and support them in a particular circumstance for a particular child. The right way of loving them, it's going to vary. 
it might vary day to day. It might vary maybe just once a week. It might vary uh, very little. But what do your kids need to experience from you in, as a loving parent? Leadership, provision, or protection? Going before them, being with them, or having their backs? The answer is, yeah, of course, yes. All the above. All of the above. And boy, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy, well, first of all, because it's going to mean a lot of flexibility in our own awareness, a lot of flexibility in our own ability to get a sense of, okay, what does my child need right now, right? Uh, I, I, there's a, I don't, I don't remember the name of the saint who said, do what love requires, do whatever love requires. And I'm like, well, that's not that helpful <laughs> because am I lovingly supposed to hold them accountable, be with them or do the, am I lovingly supposed to say, go do the dishes? Am I supposed to say, I'll do them with you? Or am I supposed to say, I got, I got you, I'll do them, go, go have some fun. And you can see how something as simple as doing dishes can call forth a, an amazing amount of loving discernment. Like discerning, like, God, how am I supposed to love this child well? And that's something that is as silly as um, the, let's say silly, as unimportant, as like tiny, as the detail of doing dishes doing a family chore. But the principle and its application in doing this is so important. It's so important because it means that we have to really know our kids. We have to really know them, to know their hearts, to know their minds, to know what's going on in their lives, to be able to discern correctly. But then we also have to, guess what, know ourselves. You got to know yourself. Why? Well, because of those three things that I just shared, what's the easiest one for you to do? For some of you listening, the easiest thing to do is to say, oh, I got the first one, Tom. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 My kids, they didn't get off the hook. I don't know what you're talking about, about I'll do them with you, or I'll do them for you. No, no, nope. That's not going to help them. What's going to help them is making them just push through, get over it. You got this. Come on now. I'm not going to get a, you know, I'm not going to settle for less in how I parent, right? So in other words, we will find ourselves naturally drawn to one of those three. We'll be naturally drawn to one of those three and be, and be good at it. And the big challenge is going to be, how do we not just default to what we're comfortable doing, what we are most drawn to doing in terms of how we're loving, upholding the standard, or there are some who, in the name of supporting, like I got you covered, can just say, I'm just so tired of asking these kids. They're just not doing it. I'm just going to do it. It's easier to do it myself. And that's not really supporting them. <laughs> that's just recognizing the enormity of the battle that's involved in raising kids today. Right? And, and you can see how I've talked all about know yourself and your own style but knowing your kid. What about when you're trying to do this with five kids, six kids, seven kids, eight kids, nine kids in the home? And guess what? While one kid needs to have the, the standard upheld, the other one needs to be encouraged. The other one needs to be supported. So you're saying to someone, go get your job done. And the other one, you're saying, hey, I'm going to help you with that. And the other one is like, hey, you know what? Don't worry. I got it covered. Just go. All in the same minute after dinner. Wow. 
Yeah, that's the world that many parents are navigating. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnes. Great to be with you on this day of the Archangels. I'm focused on the concept of mission for angels are created and what distinguishes them from other angels is their mission. So I'm talking about some of the distinct ways that we as parents are called to live our mission today. Very, very challenging. Uh, what I used uh, as a simplistic but I think helpful example of washing the dishes can be used to many other areas of life. Things like where and how do I parent my kid when it comes to, for instance, use of technology? Where and how do I parent my kids regarding, for instance, friendships or involvements in um, sports teams or um, when it comes to, like, for instance, involvement in sports teams, do I say to my kid, um, you only get to go to practice or you get to go to a game if your grades are at XYZ? And if your grades don't reach that amount, I'm sorry, you just don't get to play. Whoa, that's quite a standard. Well, if they do that, then my kid's not going to maybe be able to play on a particular team or they might end up having to sit on the bench for a whole game because they missed a practice because they didn't keep their grades up. Wow, right? This is where like life gets really complicated. Um, and so this then, just so that we just so that we don't think it's even <laughs> it's complicated enough, let me let me add in some other layers of complication that involve some of these same things. So let's just focus in for a minute on leadership. So I've already mentioned leadership is about going before. And I, um, I think of um, a conversation, one of the more common conversations that Carrie and I have had around um, being leaders in our home and leaders for our kids is we want to lead like Moses, not like Pharaoh. We want to lead like Moses, not like Pharaoh. Like, what does Moses' leadership look like? Well, Moses was the one who said, I will bring you, God has sent me to bring you from slavery through a place of purification and preparation into a promised land of good things. That's the call of Moses. We want to be like Moses, leading them from slavery to freedom. Not easy, a lot of rebellious spirit, etc., but that's the call to be Moses. We're not called to be Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a slave driver. Pharaoh had slaves, kept them in slavery, and drove them like slaves. He was a slave driver. And so how do we like how do we evaluate what we're doing if we're being like Moses or are we being like Pharaoh in how we're leading? 
And I like to think about it in relationship to rules. Like, what are the rules of the house? And the rules of the house, are they things that the kids will understand to be guardrails or prison bars? And if you'll listen to Sunset, you've heard me say this before, but think again, think about it again now in relationship to being um, a leader in your home as a husband, uh, a wife, a mother, a father. Am I setting up prison bars or guardrails? Because what does a guardrail do? A guardrail is there to protect someone who is going along a road, a path, a way. Jesus is the way. So as you go along the way, the commandments are guardrails. They'll keep you on the path. You follow the commandments, you're staying in God's way. You're staying, you're walking along God's way. (laughs) You're not staying in God's way. You're walking along God's way. And so that's a really important way of thinking about the rules that I set up, the standards that I uphold. It's all about helping you walk along the way. Now, that doesn't mean that my kids are going to experience the rules of the house that we set up as guardrails. They very well can experience them as prison bars. Like, we're just stuck. We're, 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 we're trapped. We're, we're in prison here. These rules are keeping us locked up. I, I know that you think that in setting these rules that you're actually allowing us to run faster and freer along the path, uh, but that's not how we experience them. That is not how we experience them. We're experiencing them as uh, prison bars, not guardrails. And so that's one of the things that parents can get easily frustrated with is, you know what, these are guardrails. And tough luck if you don't experience them like guardrails. They are. They're not prison bars. And it's a really interesting thing because Aquinas points out, and he's not the only one, um, it's like a fundamental like. Uh, principle of moral theology that you can't accomplish a good end in an evil way, right? The end doesn't justify the means, right? Um, you, If you're going to do a good thing, you have to do it in a good way. And so let's refer to the rules, the rules of the house, as a good way of attempting to accomplish a good end. And this is where, unfortunately, the end isn't always apparent. It isn't always clear. It isn't always emphasized. It isn't always pointed to. It isn't always something that gets reminded. We're not always reminded of why are we doing all of these means to this? What's the end that's involved here? And so, unfortunately, the means become the end. The means become the point of focus. Like, where, where we lose sight or the experience that our kids have is they lose sight of the, uh, the, the goal that we have in mind because of the rules that are there. And that's one of the basic ways that we end up being experienced by our kids less like Moses and more like Pharaoh. Well, how do you deal with that? And, and let, me give you a, let me give you an example, right? Um, it, because Augustine gives us the answer. Augustine gives us the answer of moving from Pharaoh to Moses. <laughs> How do you move from Pharaoh to Moses? 
And, and he says it. He says that the one who does what is good because it is commanded is a slave. The one who does what is good because it's right is free. The one who does what is good because it's commanded is a slave. The one who does what is good because it's right is free. So how do we move from slavery to freedom? And the, the answer is, well, one answer. One answer is to put a good that your kids value behind or as the goal of the good that you want for your kids that they are only doing because they are commanded. Okay, that's really complicated. Let me make it simple. For many years, we brought our kids to adoration on approximately a monthly basis. And our kids, we were about a half an hour away from the 24-hour adoration chapel. And so our kids would feel like this was simply a command. They were just slaves. Kids were going to adoration. They didn't say, yeah, yeehaw, let's go. We can't wait to go to adoration. That's not what happened. Now, we had a good goal in mind, and we would say it to them. Kids, we're bringing you to the place where Jesus Christ is really present, and he's going to be there exposed. He's going to be there. He, he's opened himself to you, and I want you to go there. I want you to open yourself to him, and you will grow in your encounter with him. You will, your life will flourish in faith. This would be the message. This would be the message I would wash over them. And you know what the kids heard? Kids, I'm forcing you to go to adoration. And so it's really true. I said the words that I said to try to raise up the vision of the goal of what it is we're doing, and the kids weren't able to hear it. What the kids heard was, I'm making you stop what you're doing to get in a van, to travel 25 minutes, and to pray a rosary along the way in order to prepare you to spend a half an hour in adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I don't really get it. I don't really value it. I don't really know what's going on. And why do I have to be here? And when can we be done? So... All of the conversation would just leave me blue in the face, right? And leave them frustrated because it's not going to get the job done. The words aren't going to do it. What did it? Well, what did it was, kids, if you do a good job in adoration, after adoration, we're going to go get an ice cream. <gasps> Yeehaw, let's go. Get in the van. Come on. Okay, did you get that? After adoration... We are going to go, if you do a good job, we are going to go to get an ice cream. And for me, that is so powerful because now the kids have associated going to adoration with something that they valued, the enjoyment of going and getting an ice cream afterwards. So this is Augustine. Augustine is saying, and, and it's also St. John Paul II, by the way, if you do a good thing, if you do a good thing, it's going to wash over you and sow some goodness into you, even if you're not perfect in your intention of how you do it. And so we took that to heart. All right, we also need to take a quick break. So back in a minute with more program. Hey, welcome back to the program. So it's Thursday. Coming up on Monday, that's just a few short days from now, October the 3rd, October the 3rd, Monday, October the 3rd. If you are in 
the Coeur d'Alene to Spokane corridor. If you're in that listening area, I would love to have you come on out to St. Mary's Catholic Church in Spokane Valley, exit 291. Spokane Valley, exit 291 on I-90. 291B. 291B. Head south on Sullivan. 291B. South on Sullivan until you get to 4th Avenue, and then you take a right. And just about a half a mile down the road, you'll get to St. Mary's Catholic Church in Spokane Valley. You can Google it. It's not far off the highway. And we are having a a series of talks. I'm giving a series of talks on uh, going deeper in prayer. I'm going to help you go deeper in prayer by taking a look at what the catechism and our tradition and the scriptures teach as these fundamental types of prayer. Just like I talk about the mission of parents is to lead, provide, protect— There are fundamental ways of praying that we often don't understand. We don't go deeper into them because we've not been taught about them. So I'm here to teach you. I'm here to teach you in the midst of praying itself. Did you get that? You're going to learn to pray in the middle of a context that is prayerful. So it's free of charge. Begins at 6.30. My talk begins around 7. 6.30, we start with singing in prayer. At 6.30, singing in prayer. And then at 7, around 7, I'll give a talk. And um, the talk is going to be on different uh, uh, types of praying and how you can experience different kinds of prayer and bring those kinds of prayer into your own life into your marriage, into your family. And so these teachings are free of charge. Seven o'clock, my talk will be done by around eight. We'll have a time for um, small group uh, uh, small group conversation, large group question and answer, and be done by 8.30. So 6.30 to 8.30, Monday nights, beginning October the 3rd. The first night, I'll be talking on um, what we'll be doing in heaven. Ooh. How does that sound? We're going to talk about the way that heaven's described is it's a great act of praise and worship. So I'm going to get into the Catholic understanding of praise and worship. And you do know that the Mass is understood to be the highest and most perfect form on earth of praise and worship, where it touches heavenly praise and worship. So I'm going to explore a Catholic understanding of praise and worship, and it's going to be something that you'll get to taste a little bit of, you'll get to experience a little bit of it that night, but you'll also be led deeper. I want you to be able to take away from those teachings something to help you go deeper into your prayer and then have a chance to share together in a group, ask questions, and then fellowship together. It's a beautiful way to grow in faith. If you're going to be equipped to fulfill God's call today, you have to be going deeper in your prayer life. And it's very hard for Catholics to go deeper into their prayer life by themselves to try to figure it out. I'm here to help. So at St. Mary's in Spokane Valley, beginning on the 3rd, 6.30 in the evening, we start with uh, prayer and songs. Around 7, I'll be giving a teaching. Around 8 o'clock, we'll go into small groups and then a large group discussion. Be done by 8.30. Okay? Love to have you there. And then each of the, there's going to be uh, five other uh, weeks. It's a total of six weeks. We're skipping the uh, Halloween, 
but we'll have six week, uh, six total weeks of teachings on different types of prayer. I hope you'll be there. Tell your friends, jump into a car, love to have you there. Okay. Um, and honestly, do that. You'll grow in your own spiritual fruitfulness to live well as a wife and mother, as a husband and father. If you're not on the west, on the east side, if you're not over here in the Spokane area, um, the teachings will be posted online. And so you'll be able to share in them, not live, not in the moment. You'll, you'll miss that sort of the, the, the living experience of it. But after the fact, we'll post them onto um, my YouTube channel. Um, I, uh, uh, it's called, um, my Catholic faith TV, my Catholic faith TV. Um, and so you can, you can go there, you can listen to it in an audio form as well, um, on Facebook or as a podcast. Okay. So, uh, that's my goal is to help you grow as a wife and mother, as a husband and father. Okay. So, I was talking about this reality of how do we avoid settling for being uh, a Pharaoh and really striving to be a Moses. And I proposed that if we learn from Augustine and St. John Paul the Great, that there is a way in which we can put something that our kids value as a good, standing behind the good that we want for our kids that they don't value. They don't value it yet. But in doing it, and exercising themselves to do a good thing that they resist, that they're rebelling against, that they find difficult or awkward or foreign or they're not getting any fruit out of it. Trust me, the Lord is sowing seeds. He's sowing seeds of goodness, of holiness, of righteousness into the hearts of your kids, even if they're coming at it with an intention that is pursuing a good that is not the good that they're doing in the moment. They want the ice cream, so they're going to be good at adoration. They're paying more attention to what I'm asking of them at adoration. And it's it's harder to just go through the motions if they know what's at stake. There's It's amazing how there's a beautiful sense of sincerity that can emerge in them. And again, because what they're doing is truly good for them, Jesus is really there washing over them, touching their hearts and minds, speaking to them, even when they are struggling to figure that out. You know what? God's at work. God is at work. I love that. So today in the program, I'm laying out some of the key principles, some of the key ways that Carrie and I have uh, attempted to raise our kids. And um, one of the, well, I'll go a little further, one of the things that um, when we talk about that this is a messy thing, it's not, it's not nearly as clean as we would want it to be, is the fact that each of our kids also have their own freedom and their own personality. And so our loving our kids, we bring our freedom and our personality. And when I say our freedom, I mean our own personal histories, our own personal um, decisions to live lives of holiness or not, to move forward and fall back, to call on God's mercy and to experience God's healing. Uh, and so that's part, of, that's part of our reality. And then on the other hand, we also have uh, the reality of our personalities, right? We have different tendencies that are impacting how we approach things. And so uh, someone who is more of an upholder is going to be different than someone who's more of an obliger, who's different than someone who's more of a rebel, who's different than someone who is more of a questioner, 
right? These tendencies in our personality will impact how we relate to things like uh, the jobs that we're required to do, the rules of the house, uh, the way that we would want to form and teach our kids, right? So if someone's always asking questions versus someone that's always very compliant, very different things, right? Versus someone who really wants to please, right? So you have all of, versus someone who's just going to rebel. <laughs> so you have those tendencies. And then you have, uh, like, for instance, the five love languages, right? So if you want to influence someone, do you give them the quality time or do you provide acts of service? Are you going to affirm them? Is it uh, showing them affection? Is it uh, giving them gifts, right? It, there are things that we naturally would do because of the way that we like to be loved, gee, I love to receive a gift. I'm going to go give a gift and think that's the best way to love that person because I know how much I love receiving a gift. Yeah, but they don't want to receive a gift. What they want is to you go fix the fence. They want the acts of service. That's going to be the best way for you to love them in that moment. No, no. Why are you going to do that? I want you to sit down and have a conversation with me. And boy, when we're doing that, I would also love to have you affirm me for uh, the, the things that you see in me. So there's other gifts, right? So if that's your love language, uh, then that's going to impact both how you love and how you want to be loved. So boy, it can be exhausting thinking about having all of that out in the open, all of that in front of us when we're parents, right? When we are striving our very best to do what, what God wants us to do, not an easy thing. So let me just, uh, let me just say this. With all of these things that I've just shared, all of these principles, one of the most important that I've learned along the way is trustful surrender into the hands of God. The entrustment of all that I am, all that I have, the entrustment of my kids into the hands and heart of Jesus. Jesus, you take over. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Lord, take care of everyone. That act of entrustment, of trustful surrender, calling on the Lord's mercy and his grace is such a huge part of being a parent. At least, well, at least it is in this stage of my journey. So, well, there you go. Up against the end of my program. I hope this was a blessing. Join me tomorrow for another program.